Hello, and welcome to BCF Moment of Truth. We are Bethel Campus Fellowship, and our vision and mission is to lead students to Christ and prepare them to become reliable men and women that God can entrust with his word for the next generation. Today's episode is very special because this is actually the last episode for season one. Praise God. Thank you for all of you who have been listening from the very beginning or if you caught up in the middle. We appreciate your feedback, your engagement, and we just thank God for what he's doing through Bethel Campus Fellowship. So on today's episode, we are going to be discussing the theme of Here I Am, Send Me. If you are not aware, this is actually the theme for our upcoming national conference in February of 2020. So I hope you're excited and I hope you are just eager to hear about what God has to say about the call upon your life. So before we get started, I'm just going to pray us in really quickly. So Father, we just thank you, God. Thank you for all that you're doing in the ministry of BCF. Thank you for the lives that are getting saved, God. Thank you just for all the avenues that we have here to reach students with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We just pray for all who are listening, God. I pray that, Lord, you would stir up every single heart to seek out what it is that you are calling them to do, what you have created them to do, God, and how it is relevant in every single area of their life. We thank you and we bless you, God. May this word be fruitful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So we have some special guests with us here today. I'll let you introduce yourself. So, Nanso. Hey, everyone. My name is Chinanso Ude. I'm a, I'm a graduate student at the University of Maryland. I'm also an alumni. I'm from the same school. I'm studying engineering, and I'm a child of God. Amen. <laughs> nice to have you. And we have Uncle George. Yeah, I'm Uncle George. God bless you. Thank you for joining and you know joining us uh, in this episode, and I hope you gain something from it. Amen. Amen. So the two anchor scriptures for this episode are Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, and John chapter 1, verse 6. So I'm going to read it. In Isaiah 6, 8, it says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. And John chapter one, verse six, it says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Praise God. So I just wanted to just briefly talk about the upcoming national conference that is happening in 2020 of February in North Carolina. Uncle George, can you just give us brief history of the national conference? How did it start you know, how did it get to where it is now? And why, after all these years, are we still hosting the national conference? And where did this theme even come about? Amen. You know, I can shout hallelujah just now with my legs up. Ooh. Those of us in BCF will know what that means. It's just excitement um, about everything that God is doing and has done and will do through the ministry of BCF. Um, Sarah is asking about the history. The truth about this is... Um, that BCF just started um, in 2005 and had no blueprint whatsoever about how to run, what to do. Um, we just relied on God's guidance and leadership day by day. So in 2006, we started what we call the Leadership Conference, uh, which was an opportunity to gather all our Bible study leaders and um, e-board members from different schools, very few schools then, and take them down to uh, North Carolina. I think the first one were about 18, 15 to 18 people went. And uh, we had a good time before the Lord. And we spent 
three days before the Lord, just praying for ministry and praying for, for college students in general. Again, not knowing where we are going. Um, and we did that program for several years. I think it's, we did it up to 2008. And then the, the small church we were using became so small. I remember the last one, we were like really suffocating. People were standing by each other. We couldn't move, we couldn't dance, we couldn't do anything. Um, and that was the year we determined that we we're going to open it up to the public and then go up to find another place. And we moved the leadership conference then to Ridgecrest, Asheville, Ridgecrest, North Carolina. Um, that was the opening of the bigger thing that we see now. Um, we opened it to not just leaders now, but to even the members, Bible study members in our schools. And we also opened it up for the public, basically, churches and pastors were informed and people began to send their families, their children, their church members to us. So 2008, 2009, 2010 saw a big explosion of what, you know, uh, now became our annual national conference. And God has done amazing things. You ask me, why do I go? You know, I'm the national director for Better Campus Fellowship. I don't just go. I register myself. I pay every year. So it's not like I'm just going to go free. No, I desire to go. I want to go because I see God. You know, the Bible says that the kingdom of God does not consist in talking and talking, but in power. Yeah. That's one conference I go. I, I just don't see talk. I see power. I see raw power of God. I also see God humiliate Satan in a very physical way. Um, these things reinforce my 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 belief, you know, that when we call upon the name of the Lord, He answers us. I see mm -hmm. deliverance. I see people get saved. I see young children lay hands on adults and the adults fall off, you know. And I see the word of God come powerfully. The same people that talk to us in other places, they come to this place and they speak and you see the power and the authority that is in the Holy Ghost. So the National Conference has blossomed. You know, we've gone from just 18 people to 1,500. And um, we are going to continue to increase because the truth is this. Um, many people are in bondage. Many young people are suffering. They, 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 do, they do religious things. They go to church, but they remain in bondage. And we need the power of God to set them free. So if, if this is all the National Conference does for us, that people come and their chains are broken, We'll continue to do it forever until Jesus comes. Amen. So you're welcome. This year we're going to be talking about send me. What does it mean to be sent? Has God sent you? Are you just saved? You're dancing around? Or do you have a responsibility in God's kingdom? Do you know that God needs you? Do you know that, that God is in need of men? That he's looking around for a man to use? And you could be that man. Sarah, I think I've answered your question. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Yeah, I think you have. Thank you. And yeah, like he said, I go every single year for the past, I don't know how many years, because again, the Lord is there. You know, his manifest power is there. Lives are changed. My life has changed every single year. And so if you're listening to this, you can actually still register. So please do take advantage. You can go to BethelCampusFellowship.com and go to conferences and you can register right now before the deadline comes. So please do consider going. But yes, like Uncle George said, we are diving into this theme of send me, send me. And I think before, you know, anybody can say send me, there has to be someone saying that they're sending them somewhere. There has to be some type of call, some type of, 
you know, pulling of the heart to saying, hey, a getting so, someone getting your attention. So I want us to kind of start there and, and just address, you know, how does God call us? How did God call call you specifically? And, you know, what did that look like? So now so you can start us off if you want. Okay. So how did God, how does God call us and how did God call me? Yeah. Um, I think of two stories in scripture when I think of how God calls people in general. Um, Samuel as a child and Isaiah the prophet. Um, and in Samuel's story, okay, we have the scripture here somewhere. In the story of Samuel, um, Samuel hears the voice of the Lord and he doesn't know who is calling him. Okay, here it is. And he goes to Eli and he asks he asks Eli um three times, um, his master, are you calling me? And at the end, um, Eli recognizes that it's the Lord who is talking to Samuel and he tells Samuel, When you go back, um, you should tell the Lord, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And Samuel goes and when he hears the Lord again, he says, Speak your servant is listening and what I see from that story in Samuel is that God was speaking to him and he didn't he didn't necessarily know that it was God but God was still speaking um Samuel did not have a lot of the resources and the tools we we have for I guess diagnosing spiritual things um we have scriptures we have um many ministries and people to interpret scriptures and break it down for us. But all, all Samuel heard was a voice and he still was able to um, recognize that it was God. Even in a time where the Bible says that God's voice was not so common. Yeah. Um, and what I see from Isaiah's story um, that kind of adds to that is that Isaiah was a man who recognized that he was a sinner when he encountered the Lord. Um, the Bible says that he saw the Lord in the temple he saw the glory of God. He saw the seraphim. He saw the different creatures, things that are too magnificent for a human being to understand. And he automatically recognized that he was different from God, that he was a sinner. And the Bible says that the Lord came and touched his mouth with a hot coal and set him apart once he realized that I'm a man of unclean lips. And from that moment, Isaiah said, then I heard the Lord say, whom shall I send? And that scripture adds to my understanding and tells me that God was speaking, but until Isaiah humbled himself and recognized that he was a sinner and yeah. glorified God, that was when he heard God's voice. So to answer your question, I believe God is speaking all of the time to everyone in different ways. To to some, it might be direct like Samuel, um, regardless of what they do. And to some like Isaiah, there's a response required before they before they hear the next thing that God wants to say. God's ways are higher than, than ours, but those are two examples that show me that God is very intentional about reaching out to us. Um, we don't have to necessarily fulfill a set of, of, we don't have to fulfill a set of requirements before we hear him. Um, we just have to position ourselves when we do to respond. Mm. And how God called me, um, I heard a man preach the word of God and I recognized that I was a sinner, even even as a child at ten years old. I recognized that there was something different between me and God. I don't. I won't say I. I don't think I understood like so much of what is sin, but mm-hmm. I knew that there was something different between me and God, and I chose to follow Him. And that was when I heard God's call. Wow, Amen. What I'm seeing from what you're saying is that God's first call to us is the call to repentance and to salvation. 
the call to recognize him, the call to know him. And as you were talking, I was thinking about me and when God called me and God was just bringing me back. And it really reminds me of Paul because, you know, Paul was really stopped in his tracks. He was somebody who was persecuting the Christians, you know, killing the Christians. And God literally stopped him in his tracks. And that's where I kind of relate with that is that God really stopped me in my tracks. I remember my sister, she gave her life to Christ. And it was a time where nobody in my home was really going to church. Church wasn't something that we did or put our time or our money into. And I remember it was so offensive to me that she dared, you know, come into our house and begin to tell me about a God that we never grew up talking about. But all of a sudden, she wanted me to acknowledge him. And I remember I would curse my sister out. She would be crying. She would be, I mean, I turned my whole house against her because of Christ. But then God also stopped me in my tracks. And it just took my sister putting a Bible on my bed that stirred some type of thought inside of me. And then she gave me a flyer, which ended up being for um, Proclaim in 2011. And for some reason, I was compelled to go and I heard the word of God. And when I heard the word of God, something happened. It wasn't something that I can explain or logicalize or anything like that. I know that it was spiritual because on the inside of me, I knew that I needed a savior and I needed a Lord. And that's when I knew that God was calling me because this God that I rejected literally the day before or a week before was now the only thing that I wanted. And that was when God called me. So I say another way that God calls us is when he literally stops us in our tracks. He stops us in our sin. He stops us in our mess. And he says, hey, you are in need of a savior. You are in need of a Lord. And he knows exactly how to do it for us to hear him. So that was me. Amen. That, that's passionate. So I'm almost going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real. Um, but you just addressed the, 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 the problem. I was just op- trying to open my scriptures to Isaiah 59, where the Bible says, it says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ears too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. The thing that stops a man from knowing God's call, call is sin. Um, I mean, that's major. There may be other things like recklessness or that forms of recklessness. But sin separates, sin stops us from receiving a, an assignment from God. And the reason is very simple. Uh, Jesus died for sin. So if you are picking up sin, for the very thing for which he laid down his life, then you are stopping him from really executing, um, you know, his... Um, his plan for you and with you, ex- executing his plan with you, you know, in recruiting you into his team. If you are going to pick up the same thing and keep in your pocket the very thing for which he came down here and died on the cross of Calvary, then you're making it very difficult for the Lord to use you to do anything, um, you know, uh, in his kingdom, in his kingdom business. So that's why repentance, like you said, is the key. Once a man says, no to sin and to Satan. He gets an assignment. That's automatic. That's automatic. We are saved to serve. Yeah. We are saved to serve. I don't know any man that that pushed back on Satan and pushed back on sin and began, any man that began to hate what God hates and love what God loves that doesn't get an assignment. And that's why in Acts chapter 9, I read things like this that also amazes me. You know, just the same chapter where Paul got saved and was knocked down on the way to Damascus and, you know, became blind and then Ananias went to touch him. 
just when you come to verse 19 you know the bible says and after taking some actually let me just read from verse uh, 18 it says immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again he got up and was baptized and after taking some food he regained his strength Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus at once he began to preach in the in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. At once, immediately, mm. he began to preach. This guy didn't go to theology school. He didn't go to anywhere. The only thing that happened was that he, he gave his life to Jesus. He surrendered. And the call was instant. Yes. See what I'm saying? And that's what happened to Isaiah in the Old Testament. Immediately he said, I'm a man of unclean lips. Woe unto me. The next thing was his eyes, his ears opened to hear God. Because like, you know, so you said everybody, God is always speaking. God did not stop speaking. Yeah. But our ears are blocked. You see, immediately he said yes to Jesus. He said yes to God. God cleansed of his sin. The deafness left him. And he heard God say, whom shall I send? And then because he has already submitted, he had, he was able to say, Lord, here I am. Send me. And so, um, that's, that the repentance is key. And uh, for me, if you ask me, when did God call me? I got saved on June 10th, 1987. Hallelujah. You know, you know, things became different. It's like black and white instantly. Yeah. Things became different. I met some of my a colleague of mine who was a student with me the next morning. I, I was telling her, somebody was telling her in my presence, said, George, George is saved now. Another brother was saying, George, this sister laughed so hard. The sister that was with her. He said, George. <laughs> He said, if George say God save, it's like Satan can get saved too. But she was my friend. She could say those. You were in college things. when this happened? Yes, this was in college. This sister wow. did overnight. I got saved in the night and in the morning. She was talking to me like that. He said, You saved? It's impossible. It's impossible. You know, but I knew I was saved. And I, I couldn't say a word. I didn't even doubt. I wasn't angry. Because I knew that with time, mm. the fruits will be there before her. She's still my friend till tomorrow. You know. So, uh, salvation is key to the call. Mm. Genuine salvation opens the door for your call. And if you don't know your call right now, it could be that, that something is blurring, your, you know, or you have not paid attention. You know, God may be speaking, but you're not paying attention. Mm. Praise God. Praise God. Can I ask a question then? Mm-hmm. Like you said that you, you gave your life to Christ and, and your friend, your colleague, she, she couldn't believe it, but you had a, a certainty in your heart um so going going to this topic of god sending us how do you how do i find that certainty for what god is saying you said that you knew you knew without a shadow of something something was anchoring i knew i was saved exactly i didn't i I wasn't i didn't say i knew my calling she was saying i was not saved and i was i knew i was saved because when you are saved you know you are saved so um, my question is in let's say I'm searching for my calling or I'm, okay. I'm looking for God to send me where do I draw that certainty from should I now say like okay I need to make sure like I'm not sinning you know like you said sin is set, what separates us from God like so if I'm searching for that call do I now start saying let me find where I'm messing up let me like how do I find that same certainty when it comes to my purpose my call um, certainty for salvation is different from certainty for call. your call. 
okay certainty for salvation is that i know i am saved i am saved and i think it's in romans chapter um 8 verse 15 it said when you are saved you will hear the voice the, the spirit of the lord we said will be we Bears say to your spirit, spirit. we testify to your own spirit that you are a child of god. of god that's where the certainty comes is the holy spirit voice that confirms to you always that you are saved even if you messed up you know that same voice will tell you to repent you understand and yeah. if you hearken to it you fall into alignment all the time there's nowhere where it says that being saved means um absence of sin do you understand me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no place in the Bible that said that if you are saved, you have you have, There's a the only thing is that the nature changes. The yoke of sin is broken. You become a you are yoked to righteousness. You become a slave to righteousness. You are no longer a slave to sin. There's a difference between having the nature of sin and living a sinful life, and somebody who stumbles into sin by mistake. Do you understand? Somebody who who somebody who is rich but sometimes stumbles into poverty because he didn't travel with his credit card you know what i mean mm. or he didn't have uh, you know money in his pocket but you know he didn't have access to his big bank account that's that's different from somebody who is living in poverty who doesn't have money anywhere so that's the difference between a, a, a somebody who is born again genuinely he can stumble into sin but he's wounded each time that happens and he cries out and he doesn't want to stay there because that's his, that's a foreign country for him. It's like going to a foreign nation and living, a, you know, a terrible life. But then coming to calling, how do you become certain of your calling? The, 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 the voice of God, the best way to know your calling is not to think through it, is to hear the voice God. of God. That's the mm-hmm. apex of it, that you hear God say. This Paul we are talking about, Ananias went and told him that God has called him to go and preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Do you understand? So it was clear what his mission was. And some of us have the benefit. Samuel had the benefit of hearing God's voice. Um, so many people in the Bible, Paul heard God, Jesus, from heaven, speak to him directly. So he knew. But many of us are not striving to hear God's voice anymore. Yep. No. It's like a foreign thing now to hear God's voice. And because the enemy is speaking so loud, sometimes we're mixing up God's voice and the, the devil's voice. And so I think there are various ways to know. We have to pray about it. People have to hear God speak to them. Or God will send somebody to you because sometimes you may not be hearing. But a man of God will call you out because Ananias went and called Paul out you know, and laid hands on him and his scales fell off and he began to understand and he started preaching instantly. Mm. So we have to be available. But sometimes young men run away from where the young, young men and women run away from where seasoned men of God can touch them by they go to where only young people are see what i'm saying mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah we, we 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 are comfortable with young people and we are very uncomfortable with older people we forget that some that through the older people god bless the church now look at the bible you see that every young man thrived under an older man see what i'm saying can i give an example of what a scripture that what you just said reminds me of that I actually read, I think a few days ago. Um, it's First Chronicles fifteen twenty two, and if I remember, okay, yeah, I found it. So, this is when David is made the king of Israel, and David is now bringing like new policies and basically bringing structure back to how the temple is organized, and they're bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, 
And in First Chronicles 15, 22, in that section, the Levites are being appointed as the singers. And in verse 22, it says, And Chenaniah, chief of the Levites, was for song. He instructed about songs because he was skillful. Um, and the version that I was reading said that he was put in charge of that because he was good at it. And so what I see from that is that David point found this person. I don't know his age. Maybe he was young. Maybe he was older. But David found this person, saw his skill, and positioned him in a place where he could accomplish his purpose, which was to sing skillfully. The Bible says that he could sing, and that was why he was put there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that speaks well to the point that you're making. Chen and I did not, necess- did not necessarily hear, like, maybe, yes. like, Paul, an angel, or he did not necessarily see something so as, you know, magnificent, but he was positioned by somebody who was in authority over him to accomplish his purpose, and if he was not there ready to serve, he might not have been placed He would have missed there. this. And you're addressing mm-hmm. some an issue that's very important in BCF, because where somebody like me is positioned to uh, point people into different areas, right? <laughs> do this, do this. I've done it for 14 years. Yeah. And I thank God for the, the anointing to do it. But some people don't recognize that there is an anointing to descend people's hearts and give them assignments. Because it's one mistake you will make and you abort the entire ministry. Do you understand? So uh, people also have to develop faith in their leadership. Like you talked about... Um, and, 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 and David, when somebody says, hey, come and do this, you don't start bragging and think, oh, maybe I'm too important <laughs> now, you know. He thinks if, if I don't do it, the thing will fail. No, you will get out and the thing will work. Yeah. You know, it's true. God yes, will put somebody else in there and, and get it done. So I think it's a very good point that to find your assignment sometimes, you have to depend on people. You have to look onto people to help you identify your You're position assigned. just by being obedient. Yeah, and in your obedience, your assignments, and where God is sending you will become clear. Yeah, and the Bible also talks about confirming your calling and election. Um, in Second Peter chapter one, I'm going to read the scripture from verse five. It says, "In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence, and moral excellence with knowledge." And with knowledge, self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So dear brothers, work hard to prove that you are really among those God has called and chosen. Another version says, work to confirm your calling and election. And what it's saying, what, what I'm seeing here is also a genuine desire to grow. I think for anyone who has a genuine heart to grow in Christ, your calling begins to manifest and become clear. Because some people also think like, what if I miss my calling? Or, you know, what if I'm not where God wants me to be? What if I'm in the wrong school? Or what if I'm in the wrong program? What if I'm in the wrong area? Or things like that. But I think a heart that is genuinely seeking to desire to grow in Christ Jesus your calling begins to to get it begins to become confirmed in that it's manifesting in everything that you're doing um and i kind of want to also kind of shift to that area and just address that because sometimes we think that you know our place of work or what we're studying in school or even the families that we're in are completely irrelevant to our callings but sometimes those things not even sometimes oftentimes and more usually the time is that 
those things actually begin to confirm the calling of God upon our lives. For example, for me, being in the family where, you know, at one point nobody in my house was following Christ, me being a Christian and me generally growing in Christ, I began to now become the light in my home. And the more that I did that, my calling became clear, like, wow, God has called me to teach the word, to share the gospel, to evangelize, if that makes sense. So I kind of want to um, just ask some questions with that. How does, you know, school and, and work and even marriage, how does that become relevant when, when it comes to what God is calling us, what he's sending us to do? Wow. <laughs> You're saying, wow. I mean, I remember one thing, Nasa, that you said when we were at College Park, you said that I didn't just come here. God sent me here. And I was thinking about that and asking this question, like the aspect of like the things that we're doing aren't just things that we subscribe to, but God actually sent us to these places. Hmm. Oh, man. I, I think that you, what the thing I think of when I hear this question is when I when God actually like pushed me into the field that I'm studying now it wasn't something I study engineering like I said in the beginning and it wasn't something that I always was I'm not always passionate about it every day I wake up and I'm like you know I I'm super excited but the thing that anchors me um when things are feelings are high when feelings are low is that um like Pastor George said like God spoke and I know, I'm, I'm certain that God spoke. And so that's where I put my trust, not in how I feel. And so to go back to the question of how do these things fit marriage or um, career or the things that human beings have determined um, are important. The first thing that I would say is when we come in, when we give our lives to Christ, the Bible says that we are a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things, all, all things are made new. I think that is the first place that we have to pause and and come to terms with before we begin to decide what is relevant. Um, I think that's a mistake many believers make. Um, we don't allow God to teach us about what is now relevant to my life. Um, we go through the world for 10, 20, 30 years learning what the world thinks is important, what the world thinks is valuable. And, and some of these things are good. God created them, but we do not allow, allow God to renew our mind as to why these things matter marriage um career um talents and the things that the world has the devil has poisoned um that we see in the world so that would be my first thing to say is let us let's step back and realize that our lives are hidden in christ our lives belong to christ and so we do not make christ relevant to marriage and christ relevant to career we these things must become relevant to christ um and i think once we start from there Christ now has a free reign to direct us and put us in a place where we will no longer be confused or feel like there's a separation between what we think is spiritual and what we think is secular. Everything that is in our life, everything that we do will now be born in him. And so when I go to work, I'll know that I'm there because Christ sent me to accomplish a purpose. When I'm talking to a, just a regular everyday conversation, I'll know that I'm there because Christ sent me. There will be nothing that slips through the cracks or that makes me worried or confused about what God is saying. Mm. Yes. <laughs> I'm, so I'm so excited about what you said. He said we have to make all these things relevant to Christ and not make Christ relevant to, to marriage, to family. You know, that's a very solid statement. Mm. 
that we have to remember and emphasize that when you when you give your life to Christ, you died. You know, I yeah. say it all the time. Colossians three three said, I he said, how did he say? He said, we are dead. The life we now live, we live in Christ, and Christ in in God. And the dead man really has no senses. Um, so for me, those things these things become relevant, you know, become important in Christ only. You know, I was sitting in my office today and um, Pastor Nathan, many of us who are hearing, listening may not know him, but he came in with a wife, the two of them and their son and their, and their, their daughter and some other sisters. And we sat in my office and we began to pray and sing. I was so blessed. That's my office. I'm talking about my professional career office. So I'm um, saying that my career is relevant without Christ. See what I'm saying? The big office is useless without Christ. If Christ does not anchor there, it doesn't make any sense. My family house and my children, you know, is just one one experience. If if Christ is not is not there to be, be help us to support us. Um, so everything winds up. The Bible says it is in him that all things consist. I can't forget that scripture. Yeah. In Colossians chapter 1, you know, he's the head. And, you know, he's the first born from the dead. And it is in him that everything consists. Everything makes sense in Christ. Anything outside him is a crisis. So I'm saying. So there's nothing. If you are dealing with family, let Christ be in the family. Yeah. Your profession, everything we do must, wind, you know, come around and make sense only in Christ Jesus. And that's when life becomes simple. Christ simplifies life. It takes away the complexity and the complications when mm-hmm. he anchors everything. Mm. You know? Yeah. Um, when I think of that, I think of how sometimes it can seem more exciting for God to send me outside of my normal things like it's more exciting for God to send me out of my home out of my city out of my town out of my church to go to another continent so that I can go and and feel so fulfilled and like I have purpose when I'm there but then when I come back here it's like I'm back in the everyday thing and I feel like sometimes we have that view of ministry where ministry is serving others or everything outside of what is already surrounding us and sometimes that can actually be a a carnal mindset to think that you know, God has to send me away from what's already in front of me. You know, even Jesus himself was ministering even in his own town, his own family. And I think it's important to know that, you know, like you were saying, it transcends to all areas. So I'm not just, you know, working so that I can get money to fund a mission trip to go to Haiti. But even in my place of work, Jesus Christ becomes relevant. And I think that is also the sign of of someone who has fully answered the call that of Christ is that everywhere that I am, every everything that concerns me, Christ is now become relevant in those things, as opposed to um, the people that I work with don't even know that I'm a Christian, but people in Haiti know because I came there on the missions trip, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So God sends us, even in our family, God sends us, even in our schools, even in our careers, and that takes away the fear of what if I choose the wrong school or what if I choose the wrong job is wherever you go, just pick somewhere by faith um, and let Christ be relevant there. Granted, there are some times where God specifically says, you know, go here or go there or go there. But if you're not sure of, you know, what school you should go to or um, what grad school you should go to, 
choose something by faith based on based on the principles of the word we, we walk by faith not by sight choose something by faith and make up your mind to say that you know what i'm going here by faith and christ will be relevant here um i think that's a that's a sign of really being fully submitted to the call of christ on your life and you know that we can also like you say something about faith some people are waiting to hear god's voice and you know god speaks all the time and we don't we just choose not to hear him i'm telling you and there's some basic things you don't wake up and say lord should i brush my teeth lord should i comb my hair lord should i wear a dress and go out today should i go naked no there are basic things that are already there the one basic thing about christ he said he said he has called us to the ministry of what reconciliation, reconciliation. ministry of reconciliation everywhere you go if you see somebody who is not reconciled to god you have a ministry like i say as as long as there's a school anywhere there's ministry for vcf because we are leading students to christ you don't god told us god sent us to schools god sent us to schools that's enough for me god sent christians he said you shall receive power after you have received the holy ghost and you will go and bear witnesses for me where in galilee in judea and all over the world so i don't need a second call the the bible said it Mm. i don't need a second call god can say well i want to send you to um to Nigeria, praise God. But if I find myself in Nigeria, <laughs> I have already been sent from Acts chapter one, verse eight. Do you understand? Yeah. I don't need to hear, though if I'm in Nigeria, I preach the gospel. If I am in Ghana, I'll preach the gospel. I don't need to hear God say, why you are in Ghana, win a soul. You know, so we are actually already generically what? Sent. Sent. That's the point. By default. By default. We're already sent. Yes. But the, if God has a specific assignment, he will make it known to you. But in general, if you are born again, you receive the Holy Ghost, there's an assignment. The Holy Ghost is sent to glorify Jesus. That's the basic primary assignment of the Holy Ghost. And every one of us that claims to have the Holy Ghost is sent to do what? To glorify Jesus. So if if Jesus is lifted up, what will happen? He will will draw draw all men unto himself. himself. And I think with us specifically being a campus ministry, sometimes at least like as you get older, you become an alumni. It's like, okay, well, is my relevant still, is my calling still relevant here? I'm not on campus anymore. So, you know, what could God possibly be calling me to do here? But I think what you're saying is so key is that as long as there's a campus, there's something to do. There's something that God is calling you to do, regardless of what the calling of God on your life is. Because as we know, like there's more than just apostle, prophet, um, teacher. Um, There's also you know, people who are called to go and, and give, to go and be a source of encouragement, as talks about in, you know, Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. And I think with this this theme of, you know, send me, I think what God really wants us to see is that, you know, it's really time to expand and ju- just step out of our comfort zone. You know, there's more than what we have seen. There's more land to be acquired. There are more souls to reach. Um, you know, for BCF, we're kind of concentrated on the East Coast. But what about students in Nevada? Or what about students in North Dakota, South Dakota? There's so much more land to attain. And I think once we capture what you're saying about, you know, we are already sent by default. I don't have to wait for God to say, go here before, you know, I just say, you know, wherever I am, God has already sent me here. So I'm going, if that makes sense. Um, but I do want us to kind of address, you know, what about the issue of just weaknesses and insecurities. Some people may not feel like they're significant or that, you know, God could be calling you to do something great and mighty, but maybe he's just calling me to just be the person that, you know, is, 
I don't know, just in the background or does, does God actually have to have a big calling on my life or can I just, you know, sit somewhere small and, you know, make sure that I'm growing and, you know, maybe evangelize to my neighbors here and there. I don't have to, you know, actually go or be sent somewhere. That question makes sense. How do you deal with those things? Someone who's feeling, you know, smaller, insecure, even feeling weaker, you know, like Moses was a stammerer, things like that. How do we deal with weaknesses and insecurities when it comes to calling? Um, the word that keeps on popping into my mind is humility. Um, it keeps flashing in my mind. And even the story of Moses, I thought of it, um, insecurities and weaknesses. The person that reminds us of those things is Satan. Satan is the one who comes to accuse and he comes to remind us. He sees the glory of God and he knows what he knows. Satan knows the power of God. He knows that. God doesn't fail. He knows that if man and God can join hands, um, nothing can overcome us. And so he he begins to remind us of those insecurities and those weaknesses, lies, things that are part of our old man um, that Satan wants us to take into this new identity. And because we do not know, um, we believe these things and we bring these things into our relationship with God and we focus on them. Sorry. And we focus on them. And so I, I say the word humility because humility does not only mean, um, okay, Lord, I love you and I'm going to obey you. Um, but it also means that I'm not going to allow these things to 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 raise up themselves between me and you, um, to cause me to lose faith in you. Humility means that I'm going to take my insecurities and my weaknesses and I'm going to put, I'm going to trust God with these things. That's the same thing that Moses, that's what Moses did. He decided to trust God in spite of those things. And that trust means I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to trust that God can make me into whatever he wants to make me. If God wants to, if God wants to make me into something that I'm uncomfortable with, I'm okay with that because my life now belongs to him. If God wants to shape me into something that to, if God wants to put me in a position that makes that requires me to speak a lot, and I don't like to speak. I give up my right to what I think my personality is because I love him. That's humility. Um, humility gives up. We don't. We no longer choose what we become. We simply f- concern ourselves with loving God and knowing him and allow him to make us. Jesus mm-hmm. said, follow me and I will make you. you. Yeah. And those men had to give up their profession. They had to give up what they thought their life was. And allow Jesus to make them. They couldn't see the end from the beginning, but they trusted him. And so that would be my encouragement to someone who is thinking about their insecurities and their weaknesses. I would say, humble yourself and trust God. Don't worry about the end. Know that God is able to make you if you will just follow him. Um, And simply concern yourself with seeking his heart. Lord, what are you saying? What are you doing? Knowing that if God can speak, he will take care of what what I do not see what I do not understand, what I think might stop me. Yeah. I think weaknesses are great. I, I think actually weaknesses are a good thing because the Bible says it's in my weakness that he's made strong. Yeah. And I think our weaknesses give all the more glory to God. The disciples were unlearned men. They didn't have an education. They were just fishermen. So people might think that they're useless for anything other than catching fish. But like you said, 
The Lord said, I will make you. And he did make them. And because of that, God got the glory. People were always saying, aren't these the same men? Or aren't these the same ones? Or aren't these, even with Jesus, they said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? But like those things that seem like weaknesses or insecurities give God the most glory because he's doing a supernatural work through someone who is just a natural human being. Yeah, I have this scripture here in Psalm 56 verse 3 where the psalmist said, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Mm. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. So there will be sometimes you will serve God not being sure of yourself. Um, there will be times when you stand before people and you are trembling uh, in the flesh, but you have to operate in the spirit. You know, there will be times when you will handle the word of God and your flesh is weak, but you do what the Holy Spirit wants you to do. Because you may be trembling in the flesh, but the Holy Spirit within you is not trembling. Amen. You know, so um, I agree with none. So what you said about <clears throat> just being humble about the fact that you are flesh and blood, you know, and allow God to use you. When Moses said, I stammer, God said, he said, God said, who made mouth? Am I not the one that created mouth? Am I not the one that will make, use your mouth to speak? So you think all this time, yes, that you are, you are the one operating your mouth. No, you can. God says, I operate the mouth. So I've been, I'm an epitome of weakness myself, several weaknesses. I think I'm beset by weaknesses. And um, I, I sometimes it's tough, but I enjoy it. I enjoy it because when I see the power of God manifest, I know it's not me. I can tell you 100% that this is not George. That's in operation. And that's why I, I, the Bible made it clear. It's a, it's a glory in your weaknesses. You know, in other words, rejoice about these weaknesses. Um, it's difficult, but that's how God set it up. Because in it, we're humbled. Mm-hmm. And when the Holy Ghost moves, you don't get up and say, Yeah, I did it. No, no, no. You, you remember your state when it was happening. You can see it was God that was moving and not you. So, but having said that, I'm not saying that people should be entertaining fear intentionally so that God will be powerful. No, kick fear out of the door. No, let not your heart be troubled. Kick anxiety out of the door. Fix your weaknesses sometimes. Start believing God. Start trusting God that things are well. Because once you become very vulnerable, the devil will magnify these weaknesses and use it to stop you. So refuse to stop. That's what I, when fear strikes me, when I'm going to do ministry and fear comes, I insist on doing that ministry. You know, that's how you conquer some of these things. You don't lie down. If it says, don't go to South Africa, and you're hearing God say, go, carry your bag and go anywhere, and say, if I perish, I perish. I perish. That's how to overcome these things. Because God is going to send us to several places. Sarah, sorry about the time, but I want to touch on this send me conference that we're going to. They, 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 God is going to scatter BCF. He has been saying it for years now. He's going to send some people to the West Coast. He's going to send some people outside this country. People are going to start asking questions and hearing God say, what about schools in Florida? What mm-hmm. about schools in Pennsylvania? What about schools in, in, in uh, uh, Washington State? I'm going to go start in, uh, Bible studies in a number of schools in Washington State. We're going to start doing it. Muslims do it. Look at how they're traveling the world and possessing London and all over the place. They're buying mm-hmm. churches and all that. The ch- children of God don't know that schools are still available to us, that we can go in and start Bible studies, modest Bible studies, and one, two, three people will be saved. 
because we set up Bible study. So God is going to change all that next year. Some of mm-hmm. you are going to come and say, God sent me, God, uh, Uncle George, God is sending me to uh, South Dakota. And there are about five schools there. And I'm going to take a job there. And I'm going to see that some those schools begin to teach Bible studies. They have viable Bible studies. Mm-hmm. And when it is done, I am going to relocate. But right now, that's the assignment God is giving to me. Somebody's going to say, I'm going to Nigeria to start a BCF, you know, in some uh, very uh, good schools so that people can hear the authentic word of God. Somebody's going to say, I'm going to South Africa. Somebody's going to say, I'm going to China. There are schools in China. I will learn the language and I will be a professor in a Chinese uh, university in order to pr- plant the gospel among students. That's the whole essence of Send Me Conference. And some of you are going to go be sent to families to do family things. Some of you are going to work in marriage, marriage, you know, to see young people get married well. Like we have BGRM, we're talking, we're looking for workers who will really set up and make sure that people are getting married properly. With some child care, the children that BCF people are bearing and Christians are bearing are no longer being trained well. Who's going to train them? Somebody has to dedicate their lives to making sure that these things happen. Stop pursuing uh, the things of this world. But again, as we do the things of this world, we also do ministry. God blesses us equally. Amen. 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 And all your, and all that you're saying is reminding me of Ezekiel twenty-two thirty, where the Lord says, I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it, but I found no one. And all your and all that you're saying, I see that you know the Lord is always looking for somebody who can stand in the gap, who can bridge the gap, and you know all it takes is concerning yourself with the things that concerns God, and He will begin to you know put a burden on your heart for something. There is some problem, there is some issue um, that God is looking for man to solve, and the more you concern yourself with the kingdom of God, those things become clear to you. And one thing that you always say, Uncle George, is that the person who concerns himself with God's work, God will concern themselves about whatever concerns them. Mm -hmm. And it's very true. I mean, I've seen it to be true not only in my life, I've seen it in both of y'all's life that when you concern yourself with God's business, he concerns himself with your business. And so I want to give everyone a chance just to give a closing statement, whether you want to share a scripture, a word of encouragement, or, you know, anything at all couple minutes as we um round up so we will start here and go this way <laughs> you take a moment to think about it i always keep quiet because i don't want to go first <laughs> um if i could say one thing that's been on my heart throughout this conversation is don't worry do not worry jesus Jesus said that we should not worry. He also said that he is divine and he is divine. He is the vine dresser or his father is the vine dresser. We are the branches. He is divine. Yeah. He takes care of us. We do not take care of ourselves. And that is the encouragement I would give to, to anyone who hears this and is inspired, who has already been searching for a purpose or for a calling um, who might be comparing themselves with their with other believers with their peers is do not worry seek the lord seek him and desire to know him and he will take care of you david said search me um and know my thoughts test me and know my anxious thoughts see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me into way everlasting that's psalm 139 23 and 24 um i might have messed it up a little but what I see in there is that David was not worried. He allowed God to do his part. 
just relax where you are to worry about today and seek the Lord and he will place you wherever it is that you need to be. You know, if anybody talked talk to, told me about BCF, um, that we will be where we are, I would not have done it. Yes, I'm not somebody who wants to lead like that or take charge, you know, of things that are complex. I can't handle a lot of complexity as a person. So if God showed me a picture of this thing, I would have said said no, really, because I, I don't think I, I, I wouldn't have thought it's possible. So what am I saying by that? Um, we start from simple things. Um, when God showed me BCF, I shared that dream with you guys, um, some of you. It was just a simple dream, sitting down by the roadside and sing, singing a song, carrying a child, and just singing a simple chorus, just a, something like, you know, anybody can sing. And then I was, I found that I was sitting at the tip of a V. Because as I look back, look back, I saw a sea of people just sitting at the tip of a V, you know, a V, V as in V letter. Yeah. And I, I, I know people were lining up behind me. And I look back, I saw a sea of young people. When they came and sat down before behind me, I didn't know. I just knew that people lined up. And I look, and then they were all singing the same song. I looked, I couldn't find the end of the people that were sitting behind me. When did they come? I was just worshiping the Lord, carrying a young baby in my hand. And just. And then people were start, everybody passing, older people, young people, people riding bicycles, cars. The same song started going off from where I was. That's the that's when God revealed the ministry to me. But did I understand everything? No. So what am I saying, guys? I'm saying just respond to God in little things. Um, it's God that amplifies things. It's not your business. You don't know how it's going to happen. Um, for those of you that say how I don't know what God is saying, I want to give you a scripture. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. You know, so the Bible says, now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. This is the duty of man. I know some people are saying, I don't know my duty. I don't know why I'm here on this earth. No, start from simple obedience to Christ. The, whole, the duty of man is to obey God. It's the Holy Spirit that comes to now give us assignment. But if you are not even fulfilling the basic duty of fear God and obey his commandment, then there's no sending going to happen. So I encourage everyone to let's do the basic. Fear God and do what? Obey his commandments. For that is what? The whole duty of man. That's what God cares about. The other one is now him using you because you have obeyed him. Praise God. Amen. Amen. I will also share a couple of scriptures. One is Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, and it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And I think this is, you know, pretty much sums up who we are as Christians and what we do. You know, this life that I now live, I live for Christ. My old life has been crucified the person that I was before is, is is gone. And I now willingly, because of my love for God and the love that he has for me, 
I live my life fully for him. And that looks like me going wherever he wants me to go. That looks like me looking for opportunities to share his word, looking for opportunities to reach others the same way that I was reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the last verse that I want to read is just from Romans 12 from verse 1. And it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so these both of these scriptures talk about giving your life to the Lord as worship unto him. And, you know, the world will tell you that you should serve yourself, that you should be on this earth to build up your own life or, you know, to, to build up better for yourself and, you know, get what you can get for yourself. But, you know, the, the real reason why we're here, the real reason why we're still alive is to live for Christ, is to serve him with all that we are. And we may not see it fully now, but I pray that God opens up our eyes to see, you know, the other side of eternity, you know, beyond here on earth, but to see that we will one day be in heaven. We one day be before the father. And my desire is that he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Um, come on in. And so I pray that, you know, we would live for the Lord, that we would see this not as God just wanting to use us to do things or to, you know, just be his hands and feet. We are his hands and feet, but, you know, there is a greater reward that we will see in heaven when a sea of people, including your family members, your friends, your classmates, your colleagues are there with you in heaven, in the presence of God and just worshiping him. I think the saddest thing will be to, to, you know, get to heaven and see and think of all the people that we didn't talk to, we didn't think to reach out to because we were afraid or because we're too consumed with getting money or with getting the next degree. Um, Life is really about living for Christ. So that's my encouragement. You are saved to serve. So if you aren't serving the Lord now, it's a good time to start. Amen. 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 So that is all for this episode. That is all for season one. Thank you all for listening and tuning in. Again, you can register right now for the BCF National Conference. Just go to BethelCampusFellowship.com. We would love to see you there. I know that the Lord is going to show up in a mighty way. He's going to bless all of us. So go ahead and register BethelCampusFellowship.com. Thank you so much for listening and be sure to follow the channel um, Bethel Campus Fellowship on Instagram to see when you'll be seeing future episodes. So thank you and God bless.